0: We've been studying through the book of Romans for some time and and we are kind of in a section within a section that is all about unity, unity within um, the local church, the, the body of Christ in a, in a local unit. Paul wrote about this, uh, it's, this is a long section, relatively long in the book of Romans. He wrote about it a lot here. He wrote about it a lot in in other books, he wrote about unity within the body because he cared a lot about unity within the body. And Paul cares because God cares. Jesus died for his church, right? Now that means Jesus died to redeem like us. Corporately, I mean... Salvation is individual. Don't, don't hear me wrong. Salvation is open to any individual who believes, who would believe that what Jesus was doing at the cross, he was standing in my place, like I deserve the wrath from God. But Jesus stood in between that wrath and me. And so God's wrath, that should be aimed at me and was aimed at me instead fell on Jesus Christ. That sacrifice was sufficient. He absorbed all of the wrath I deserve for my sins so that there is now no more condemnation for me as an individual because I believe in Jesus Christ. Salvation is individual in that way, but it is also corporate because Jesus didn't just die to save me, right? Jesus died to build his church. He promised to build his church. He promised that all of the powers of hell, anything that hell could throw against his effort to build his church, founded upon his cross, those efforts would fail. Because Jesus, um, to glorify Himself and His Father who sent Him, will save people from every tribe and tongue and nation because salvation is this huge corporate group thing also. Because our salvation is corporate and this is our corporate unit, Jesus doesn't want this part of His body Divided, Jesus didn't want the Roman church divided. That's why Paul wrote this. See, both of these things are true. Jesus promised to build his church, so he will. But Jesus also said this, a house divided against itself will not stand. Both of those things are true. It's why I say this line all the time. Jesus promised to build his church, but he is under no obligation to do it here. And there are many, many reasons why that might not happen. Paul wants to talk about disunity, keeping that from happening here, Christ building his church. There's lots of other reasons. We might not, or a local church might not proclaim the truth. That could keep uh, uh, or cause God to not grow his church here. So that can happen in a, in a couple of different directions or from a couple of different directions. We might not proclaim the truth because what we proclaim might not be true. There are local groups all around the world that call themselves a church, but what they proclaim isn't the gospel of Jesus Christ. So then whatever might be growing, it's not the church that could cause God to not grow his church in a given place, or we might know the truth and not be willing to proclaim it. That might cause uh, the lack of growth in a church. There's lots of reasons. Lots of reasons why um, the church may not grow in a given area, but today Paul just wants to focus on one, the one he's been talking about for for, for us three weeks now, and that's just disunity. When a church isn't unified, it has big problems regardless of the cause of the disunity. Unity is important everywhere. For example, do you remember the Lone Ranger? Maybe I shouldn't give illustrations from 1950s TV shows that I only watched on reruns with my granddad. But Lone Ranger had a trusty sidekick named... I can't get an amen, but I can get a Tonto here. That tells you a lot about this church. But one time the story is told... (laughs) about uh, the Lone Ranger and his Native American sidekick, Tonto. They were riding along the trail, and it narrowed in between steep cliffs that went down on this side and steep cliffs that went up on that side. And as they got a ways down that narrow trail, they noticed some very mean-looking Native American warriors blocking their path in front and blocking their path behind And they appeared on the cliffs overhead. the Lone Ranger, they were trapped. They walked right into it. And the Lone Ranger looked at Tonto and said, well, what do we do now? To which Tonto replied, what do you mean we, white man? (laughs) See, a lack of unity, a lack of unity can be a bad thing even in badly outdated jokes. But Paul wants us to consider unity from sort of the more positive angle also. It's not that we want unity because of the problems that can result from a lack of unity. We also want unity because a unified church can be a powerful force for good and for the gospel. We should think of ourselves in some ways, another illustration is that, think of us like a bunch of individual snowflakes. They're beautifully made Wonderfully made, they're unique, but by themselves, a snowflake is 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 just fragile. It's one of the most fragile things in the world. But you get a bunch of them together. You get a whole bunch of them together, being driven by a force more powerful than they are, and even a whole bunch of those tiny little fragile snowflakes can become a huge force to be reckoned with. Isn't that true? That is why we want to be unified, forced in the same direction by our King, Jesus. That's what Paul's been talking to us about, writing to us about, or to the Romans, and we've been reading it. So here's where we're going for unity's sake this morning. We're going to read our passage, the beginning of Romans chapter 15. Paul's going to tell us to to bear life with others for unity's sake. He's going to tell us to imitate Jesus for unity's sake. He's going to tell us to read the whole Bible because it helps our unity in this place. And then Paul's going to close in prayer. That's where we're headed. Let's read our passage this morning. Romans 15, verses 1 through 6. Now, we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those who are weak or those without strength, and not just or merely please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his neighbor's good, for his neighbor's edification. For even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's our passage. We start in verses 1 and 2 where Paul tells us that for the sake of unity within the body, bear life with one another. By way of introduction, um, Paul's been talking for three weeks for us about a certain sort of kind of Christian, which isn't exactly right, but there are some Christians who are strong in a given area of the faith and some Christians who are weak in a given area of the faith. And by way of review, if you have been here, and to get you caught up if you haven't, um, here's what Paul means by calling some Christians strong and some Christians weak. It's it's not what it sounds like in English. It's just not. Paul is not talking about, uh, when he talks about a strong Christian, he's not talking about someone who has a powerful faith, a big faith, who really believes in Jesus and is bold and outspoken. That's not this kind of strong. Because a weak Christian in this way can have that kind of strength of faith. By the same token, when he calls a certain Christian a weak Christian on a given issue, he's not talking about someone who has this little, measly, piddly faith that really isn't good for anything and like he barely believes. That's not at all what this is. Paul's talking about uh, there are in the Christian faith or, or just in life, there are... There are issues that God did not specifically tell us our opinion of in the scriptures. He didn't tell us uh, a a given thing is sin. But yet as Christians, we can feel this microphone is killing me. Will you pray for my microphone? I'm I'm about to like take this thing off and stomp it into a million bits right in front of you, which would be really embarrassing. Um, so Somebody going to get the stapler off my desk and I'll, uh, I'll stick it on there. Um, where were we? Strong and weak. So there are, there are issues that we can feel strongly about. And Paul says the strong Christian is someone who their faith-like doesn't depend on that issue. And the weak Christian, the, the, uh, being weak on a given issue, I, I have to feel a certain way about that issue. Let me give you an example from like modern life. I've given you several of these. Some of us, many of us probably here, grew up in the church, and on Sunday mornings, you got cleaned up, you put on your Sunday best. Around here, we put on our Sunday best. but You put on your Sunday best, and you you get dressed up to go to church, right? And that was part of the way we showed respect To God. In fact, we would have been, we would have felt like we weren't being respectful to God if we weren't dressed in our Sunday best. Because, and we heard stuff like this: if you were going to visit the president, you wouldn't wear jeans and sandals to go to to the president's house, right? So we're not going to wear that kind of stuff when we go to church. That's the kind of thing that can stick with you. And listen, it's fine. Because for some of us, if we, don't, if we don't dress up, we feel like we're disrespecting our God. So guess what? I don't want to dress, I don't want to disrespect my God. So I dress up. You are free to dress up and come here to church. Okay? Paul would say here that that's the weak Christian on that issue. You don't have a weak Christianity. You don't have some little measly faith. It's not that you're not bold in your faith. It's just like your faith isn't strong enough to hold you being that living sacrifice Paul's encouraging us to be if I'm not dressed up when I go to church. The strong Christian on that issue is someone... uh, Maybe they weren't raised in that kind of tradition. Maybe they were raised in that kind of tradition and there were some other things with that 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 harmed them in some ways and they reacted or maybe they were just saved and they learned the earth is the Lord's and everything in it and I want to worship God 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I'm trying, just like the weak Christian is, I'm trying to be a living sacrifice even while I'm at work. And while I'm at work, I wear jeans. And so when I come to church, like, I don't feel like that's God's house. I feel like it's a a metal Quonset shed with nicer chairs, right? And so I want to, it's not that I am disrespecting God by not dressing up thin. It's like, I'm just as respectful toward God while I'm at work wearing what I normally wear. That's fine too. Paul says, make your decision. And, the way you are going to honor God with your life and do it to His honor and glory. Both of those things are fine. So you can wear jeans and come to church here. It's a, the question is, are you being a living sacrifice even while what you're wearing? Some of us who are raised differently, we need that tie as part of my worship to God and it's acceptable. And it's good. That's the issue. Now, in Paul's day, the dress code at church was not the issue. In Paul's day, it was things like, hey, can Christians eat meat when, when the meat we have access to, like a lot of it comes out of that pagan temple down the street and the animals go there and they have sacrifices to fake gods and then they, they sell the meat like out, the, out of the side door. Can Christians eat meat like that? Can Christians drink wine, Paul added last week? Can, do Christians have to obey all of the feasts, um, from maybe from the Old Testament, days of regular fasting, religious festivals? Those are the three issues that Paul has brought up. Okay, so that's weak and strong. Here we go in our passage. It's interesting that for the second time in as many weeks, Paul numbers himself among the strong As far as these three issues at least, because you can be strong on some things and weak on others, but as far as at least those three things that Paul has brought up already, Paul numbers himself among the strong and he does it emphatically. He was emphatic last week. He's emphatic again. Uh, I'm going to spare you the Greek lesson, but this word, this English word we right here, it's like Paul says it twice when he doesn't need to. He says, but we... Those of us, the strong ones on these issues, I'm talking to us now, and Paul includes himself, and he says this, we ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not just please ourselves. Do you hear what Paul says there? Paul says those of us who feel like we can eat that meat, we can drink that wine, we don't have to observe all those days, and we can still be being a living sacrifice we can't have this attitude toward our weaker brothers and sisters. We can't be like, that, that guy is so hopelessly fundamental. Like, he, he better just get with the program, or he can find someplace else to be. Right? That can't be the attitude. Paul says, we have to bear with the weakness of the weak. And remember, the weakness of the weak is not, it's not pejorative. It's not, I've got to find a better word than pejorative. I've been, uh, it's not derogatory. Is that okay? Is that better? Paul's just saying, when he uses the word bear with, Paul uses that word like bear one another's burdens do life with in a way that helps hold up your brother. We, he talked about this in last week's passage. We should not treat people with different standards than us in a way where like there's not room for them. That's what he's saying. Do life with folks you differ with. And remember, Paul's not talking about differences where one of the differences is sin. Paul would never say, you know, I Paul numbers himself among the strong, so we know he's not saying, my faith is strong enough where I can insert your sin here, whatever sin you want to insert. Paul says, we just can't have an attitude, and I think, I'm sure he would say this goes both ways. This is right for me. If it's not right for that guy, forget that guy. It can't be our attitude. Instead, verse 2, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. This is one of those verses where you, you have to read the whole verse, verse 2. Because we can get ourselves in trouble if we stop on the top line right here. You think Paul would ever say, just in general, live your life to please other people? Would that be Paul's? Could we get in trouble if that was our mantra in life? I'm just gonna do whatever pleases the people around me. That might not be a great idea, right? In fact, Paul told the Galatians, he did speak very derogatorily about this. Paul said, like, what am I, just pleasing people now? How disgusting. Here's what Paul means. Remember, we're already talking about people inside our church. In this context, we're already talking about people who are Christians. God has already done Romans 1 through 11 for them. They're trying to be the living sacrifice. And Paul says, make sure you're putting the other folks in your church with other preferences ahead of yourself and make sure that you are pleasing them toward his good to build him or her up. Make sure we're having real love. We want to see God's best done in the other person's life. So for unity's sake, those people who are different from you in their convictions, do life with them. God does not want his church, any church, divided into the meat eaters on this side, the the meat abstainers on this side, where we only hang out with those we agree with, we're similar to, or any of that stuff. Okay, verse 3. Next, Paul says, for the sake of unity, imitate Jesus. So Paul, having just said... um, don't please yourself, right? Didn't he just say that? Then Paul says, for even Christ didn't please himself. But just as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. It can be really difficult. See if you agree with this. It can be really difficult to strive for unity with people that you disagree with on things you are passionate about. Isn't that true? Even if you go to church with them? Still true? Yeah. When we feel strongly about something and someone else feels differently, it's very easy to have that attitude that sort of says, you know, forget that guy. Avoid that person. Stay away from those folks because we disagree. Paul says, for unity's sake... Imitate Jesus in this area. If there was ever anyone who ever lived who sort of deserved or would have been justified to be the opposite of what Paul said, to just say, you know what? I know I am right. You know how I know? Because I'm God. That's how I know. Right? Jesus could have done that. And so all these people who differ from me, literally to heck with them, Right. The problem is, if Jesus had lived that way, we were all different than him. Every person who's ever lived. The difference between me and those folks I disagree with is much smaller than the difference between me and Jesus Christ. And Jesus, even though he was always right, nobody was ever righter than Jesus was right, he put others first. He lowered himself. And Paul quotes Psalm 69 right here. Uh, Really interesting use of, a, of an Old Testament passage. Jesus didn't actually say this. It's in quotes, even though Paul says it like Jesus said it. This was written a thousand years before Jesus lived. Uh, David wrote this psalm, Psalm 69. It's a poem about a time where Jesus write, or excuse me, David writes this lament where he says, everyone has turned on me. God, all your enemies... Some of them were my friends, they've turned on me. Some of them were my enemies. they're attacking me. It's like every insult that anybody ever said it bad about you has turned on me. Does that sound like Jesus? Yeah, that's why, that's why Paul attributes this, says this like Jesus said it. Jesus, who was never wrong one time, allowed every. Insult ever directed at God, which is every sin that's ever been sinned, to fall on Him. Why? So that people who were different from Him, who hated Him, could possibly one day be rescued by the gospel. So, following Jesus, which is what we're supposed to be doing, right? Following Jesus includes at times being willing to give up what I would prefer for the sake of to build up someone else I disagree with. Not only does it help with the unity within the body, it also makes us like Jesus, because it's what he did. That's verse 3. Now verse 4 is a little bit of a digression or a parenthesis, Because here's what happens here. Paul just quotes. He just quotes the Old Testament. And then in verse 4, Paul's going to say something about the Old Testament. He says, For everything that was written in former times, that's the Old Testament, was written for our instruction, so that through endurance and through encouragement of the Scriptures, we may have hope. I'll equate this to the whole of Scripture. Okay, because... Both Testaments were written in the old such days for us, right? But Paul's specifically talking about the Old Testament here. The Bible was not written to us. There were original audiences for these books. And the Bible certainly wasn't written about us. Right? When we start reading and thinking, "This this is about me, we can get ourselves in trouble. But the Bible was, Paul says written for us. Everything that was written in the former times in the scriptures was written for our instruction. And we can learn a ton of things from the scriptures. But Paul mentions two today. So that through endurance and encouragement, we get hope. How does reading the Bible teach us Um, endurance and encouragement, especially the Old Testament. You know how that happens? How does that happen, and what does it have to do with church unity? That's what we want to answer on, on this slide. First, when you read the Bible, the only thing you get is just information, like you're preparing to whip your family in the Bible trivia game. Like you're missing out because what we're supposed to get is things like um, encouragement and endurance. It may not, you may not feel like that every time you read, but over years and years and years, it's what we're supposed to get. You know how that happens? We'll stick with the Old Testament because that's what Paul was talking about. So I, we start, you start reading in Genesis. You're going to read all kinds of stories about people who had it way worse than you. Right? You're going to read about Noah. You're going to read about Abraham and Sarah and their longings and their hurt, the ways they hurt one another. Uh, You're going to read about people being uh, used and exploited like Hagar and Leah. You're going to read about folks being attacked, folks being imprisoned. You're going to read Joseph's story where his brothers hated him so much they, they sold him into prison and faked his death. But because those things, their whole story is in the Bible, we get, we get the benefit of looking at the whole story backwards. And then when we go back through the details, we can see, hey, God was at work even through those tremendously difficult, horrific situations. God, the same God that I believe in, was going to make sure that all this worked together for good, even for Joseph. Now, what is that supposed to do for me? It's supposed to encourage me to endure. It lets me know this, this is the same God that I cannot look, through my, look around at my situations and possibly fathom what God could be thinking. Joseph couldn't have either. But he hung in there. It's the same God, like we sang this morning, that set the captives free. That's my God too. He can be at work even when I don't understand how he can be. That's how the Bible encourages us to endure. Now, what's that have to do with unity within this local body? Well, if God can be at work through all those terrible uh, circumstances of Joseph's life, brothers dig a pit, they throw him in there, they sell him into slavery, they fake his death, the guy gets accused falsely of sexual assault. He gets imprisoned twice as the threat of execution. Right? But God's still got him, and he's working all this toward. Him. If God can do that, if God can expect Joseph to walk through all that stuff to glorify him in prison, in fear, and all that stuff, it's a little harder for me to think yeah, but God could never expect me to get along with Max. Right? Isn't that easy to think? Not Max in general. I pick on Max sometimes. Isn't it easy to get there like this? This would be a bridge too far for God to expect me to really be like friends with, brothers, sisters with, somebody like that. Like I think Paul would say, have you read the Bible? Don't assume you know what God would allow people to walk through if you think that's as bad as it gets. For unity's sake, read the scriptures. Paul just said Jesus allowed every insult that ever was aimed against God to fall on him for the benefit of other people. You know, when we get, it is really easy to feel like, oh, I'm so irritated with this person. I am just at the end of my rope. You ever feel like that? Sometimes I think we needed to consider the length of our rope. Right? Like maybe we should be praying for more rope. When I was writing this sermon, I saw this meme. Cedric and I laughed about it. It's, it's a picture of Mel Gibson on the set of The Passion of the Christ, and he's sitting next to the actor who's portraying Jesus, the crucifixion scene, and, and here was the title. This is like me telling Jesus about my problems. Right? <laughs> I think... Uh, There's there's instruction in that. Like, oh, yes, tell me again some more. That sounds really terrible. Oh, then he said that. Oh, right. The scriptures encourage us. They help us endure by reminding us God has walked our forefathers in the faith through countless horrific things. Sometimes we just need that encouragement. Like, hang in there. Sometimes I just need to step back and go, "Wait a minute, like I can do this." Like, I need to tell myself, "Wait a minute, Maxwell, you, you think you think God couldn't help you get along with that person. God can help us get along with even that person. God can make us brothers and sisters in Christ, even with that person. Now listen, there I'm not telling you this, remember, this is about in the body. Non sin issues. Okay, it, it, there are times where relationships can't be healed. Sermon for a different day. But sometimes, like this God we worship could keep the lions, the hungry lions, from eating Daniel, right? And he thinks, well, he could never help me get along with Stephanie, right? For unity's sake, read the scriptures and be encouraged to endure. Paul ends today's passage by breaking into prayer. Prayer for unity in in the church in Rome. By extension, I think this fits for us too. Paul prays, Now, may the God of endurance and comfort give you unity with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus so that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right. Here is something else I find very interesting in this passage. Paul, for a chapter and plus now, has been encouraging us and commanding us to work and fight for unity within the body. Isn't that what he's been doing? Scratch and claw for unity. Work for it. And when it's time to pray, look at what he says. Now may the God of endurance and comfort give you unity. Well, which one is it? Paul? Is unity something we work for and fight for? Or is unity something God just gives to people? The answer is yes. Both. And whenever we wind up enjoying unity, we thank God like it's his fault. This is one of the things, unity is one of these things where we work at like it's up to us and we pray at like it's up to God. And then whenever we wind up enjoying unity, God gets the credit. Because even if we are working and fighting in a way that actually fosters unity, whose plan are we following? God's. It's not mine. Because my plan doesn't lead to unity when my flesh gets involved. My plan leads to other things that are much less constructive. Right? But, so when we enjoy it, God gets the credit. It's like if we bought this stool here and it comes in some little box. It's like the ingredients are there. If we follow the instructions, I follow the instructions and put it together. Do I get to pat myself on the back for creating a stool? No. I just followed the instructions that were given to me by another. That's us. In unity, When it works, we go, wow, thank you, God. Your instructions work. And the tools you've given us work. So we pray for unity. We work for unity. But make sure, Paul says, that the unity we have with one another is in accordance with Christ Jesus. In other words, we, people can have unity because they're unified in error. We don't want that. We don't want to be unified just because the loudest voice gets his or her way. We want to be unified in what what Christ has his best. Right? And then Paul ends with our purpose. Why do we want? Do we want unity in this group here in a Periberean church just to avoid the bad things that come from disunity? Is that, we just, because it's, disunity hurts, so that's why we want to avoid it. Is that the only reason why we want unity? No. Paul says, I'm praying that God would give you unity. Why? So that together, you may with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We want unity because when a whole bunch of us snowflakes, right, with all of our differences, unique but beautifully and wonderfully made when we are driven in the same direction by God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that is within us, we can become a powerful force for good in a way that glorifies God. That's what we want to be about. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for, uh, for your word. Um, for the reminder of our part in working toward unity. God, some of us here, myself included, maybe you need to lengthen our rope a bit. Help us to search the scriptures and be reminded that you can do powerful things through difficult situations and circumstances. Help us bear life with one another. Be in this fight together together even with people we differ from, but not just so we can feel good, God, because you, so that you can be glorified, so that the enemy wouldn't have a foothold here to divide and conquer, and so that we could be driven in the same direction of the powerful force of the gospel in our Lord Jesus Christ, and that we would glorify you together. God, thanks for your word in Jesus' name. Amen.